The 2017 race season is underway and Dirty Mo Radio's race recap shows have you covered. Don't miss a single episode of Junior Motorsports Upfront with Justin Allgaier as he gives exclusive insight immediately after climbing out of the car. You can find Upfront on DaleJr.com and all major podcast outlets thanks to Exalta. This is Dale Jr. and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Junior goes to the lead at Daytona. Dale Earnhardt Jr. will lay claim to his first NASCAR Winston Cup victory. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has won the Daytona 500. Hey everybody, this is uh, Dale Jr. Another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Do I say, we don't call it the Dale Jr. Download. We hashtag it Dale Jr. Download. So can I just stop saying the? Well, grammatically, you should still say the. Okay. But we took off the capital T. But we dropped it from the hashtag. Yes. I'm just trying to keep up. And as you hear, my host as usual, Tyler Overstreet. Hello. I'm here again. He is here again. He'll be, uh, he's producing, whatever that is. And he'll also be editing. Whatever Which that is. is. I know what that is. You do a great job those on the are, editing part. Those are similar. The There's producing part, is, I can't visually see, but I do I do see the editing. Who do you think produced that show sheet in your hands and produces... produces and oh, and like produce... And edit. Like literally, like produced. Literally. Edit. Yeah, well, interesting. Technically, the printer produced <laughs> it, but I produced the document. Well, we got a, uh, we got a fun show, so... Let's get to it. All right, we're going to start off, obviously, uh, talking about the race, Phoenix. Uh, It's been a great racetrack for us. Uh, Alex almost won there. Yep. Last year, you know, we talked about that. We qualified third. That was awesome. Haven't qualified so well in quite a while. Since Uh, Daytona. Yeah. Well, we don't count Daytona. That's that's all race car. So I felt like you know this was more where, you. Where yeah, wherever the car, however fast the car is going to run at Daytona or Talladega, that's where you're going to start. Doesn't really matter. Uh, the uh, the car really took off well. We started the race uh, the first run running uh, pretty good, kind of in the top five, moved up to, I think third at one point, right? Yeah, you were so running those guys down at the end of that fir- before the first caution. Yeah, car was great. We started to lose front brakes early in the race, and the uh, I'll explain. That's interesting. <laughs> what was that? That was an email. I forgot to turn my email off. Oh, nice. Oh. Well, let's keep that in the show. I love when you screw up. Me too. People need to know that you're human, not some crazy robot. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, the... Uh, the brakes kind of started fading, early, fading earlier in the race, and I think that's why we got so loose on entry. We uh, had a couple things in the car that we wish we didn't as far as the setup, some things that I uh, wanted in the car and some things that Greg thought would be great. So it was a team effort in kind of getting the car <laughs> off uh, off of its tip- typical fast you know, self. Um, so we, we kind of struggled throughout the race. We... Worked on the car and made it worse, and then we worked on it some more and made it better. By the end of the race, I think it was handling as good as it had been all day. Yeah, but I had no brakes. Lap time wise, um, coming up to that last caution, your lap times were like eighth, ninth, quick, yeah, consistently. So the r- the front brakes were getting hot all day, fading the pedals, fading, and what that means is the pedal literally gets longer and gets further and further and further down and closer to the floor. When you mash it, it's when a good pedal. When you mash the brakes, obviously, like any street car, is going to be really hard right at the top of the pedal. So you get brakes immediately as soon as you mash the brakes. As uh, you start to lose the brakes, what happens is the fluid in the line boils. that creates air bubbles, which puts air in the line. The brake pedal will go further down eventually reaching the floor where you'll mash the brakes and it'll go all the way to the floor and the car won't slow down it's almost as if there's just no brakes at all does the increased heat the other day add to that or is that just a a typical phoenix thing so as we're running throughout the day 
the brakes are getting hotter and hotter and hotter and there's nothing that you can you can't once you put air in the line you can't undo this you can't get the only way you can get air out of the lines by pulling in and bleeding the brakes in the pit stall or the garage so once you boil the fluid once you kind of have that soft pedal the rest of the day uh, by the end of the race with the last 80 laps we the pedal was going to the floor one thing you can do to uh, kind of help yourself a little bit is to pump the brakes and that'll pump them up down the straightaway so you'll have a little bit of brake at least getting into the corner the only thing about that is uh, you're continuously heating the brakes through this whole process. You're not giving them any chance to cool off. And what happens is, is that put that heat dissipates into the wheel and it melts the bead of the tire. You saw the 22 car pop a tire and get into the fence. I'm not exactly sure if that's what happened to Matt Kenseth, but um, I know the 22 car was having brake problems similar to us. Me and him both started out the day very quick and we both really faded about the same all day long. Yeah, because he, um, he had a speeding penalty, but then he never, I don't even think he cracked the top yeah. 10 again. He was struggling with his brakes about identically as we were and faded throughout the day. Uh, and eventually, uh, you know, it's, it's, you don't know exactly how hot they are. You can tell by mashing the pedal that you got a problem. And you have to just kind of moderate that. And, and, and uh, unfortunately, they, they ended up popping a tire. We pro we were probably going to do that. Yeah, because you were on the radio pretty concerned about that Yeah, the, the last 50 laps. We were probably going to pop a tire if it didn't get uh, but didn't get the cautions when we did. On that note of the 20 and 22, that's a good area to shout out for the safer barriers because those guys took some big hits, uh, especially the 20. Yeah, the 20s hit was bad. I checked in with Matt and uh, Joey. Both of them are feeling great. Um, but yeah, that Matt, Matt's hit was, uh, really, really bad. I saw that again yesterday. And so what were you doing to compensate for that? Were you like lifting super early? Um, because on that last green flag run before the that, whatever green white checkered, you had caught Suarez, but then you started going back to talking about the brakes going away and you kind of just settled in behind Suarez well, because um, I remember the first. I'll, I'll the, answer that for you. Yeah, give well, me a second. In the Kentucky, the first <laughs> time we raced the um, lower downforce package at Kentucky, the brakes cooked, that, and you plowed that, over Danica there. That, oh yes, that's true. So when you have brakes and they're hot, uh, if you get real close to another car, that's basically like taping up the the brake ducts. You're not, you know, when you're when you get close to somebody, you get less air into the brake. Uh, into the brake ducts and so any, as, as, if I got closer to Suarez my brakes got hotter not only because I'm running harder trying to catch him but I'm also cutting off air air supply by running closer to another car so that would also give you problems that's why you see a lot of guys every once in a while pop beads at Martinsville even though the temperature's not that hot ambient temperature because there's no air circulating yeah you're right up you're right up behind guys lap after lap after lap and you literally cook the brakes because you're not getting any air to them so it's just uh once that pedal starts fading you know that the fluid's to a boiling point and that's when you need to go a uh, lot you know i better back up here and chill out uh sometimes you just have to do that i mean if you don't you're going to pop a tire or, or or boil the fluid over and ruin the brakes for the rest of the day so you can warp the you can get the rotor so hot that it physically warps the rotors all kinds of issues can happen uh, we had brake problems one time at Richmond, oh, Whoa. see, we have some visitors out here in the uh, gift shop. Gus is not sure about all these folks. <laughs> He's in here hanging out with us. Gus, quit it. So, <laughs> 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 we, um, anyways, in 99, we were racing at Richmond in, in our, one of our first ex cup races with Tony Jr. and Tony Sr. and we boiled the fluid in our car and when we came in we actually came in and tried to bleed the brakes during the race and it, when we when they when they would crack the uh, bleeder open on the brakes it shoot a blue flame out the fluid actually was on fire that's pretty incredible with, with the tire guy or the tire changer just chilling right there yeah yeah that's not Gus cut it out Gus sits all right so you ultimately finished stop for a second I'm gonna get him to shut up He's going to sit here and growl on the whole damn show. You on the growl on the whole show? I think it's inevitable at this point. All right. Gus, off. Hey, Gus. Gus. Hey, off. There you go, buddy. 
He listens. <laughs> it's questionable. Anyhow, where were we? We are talking about breaks. Uh, so, all right, Newman's winning strategy. I see you have that here in the notes. What was it? I was in my car racing. He did not pit oh, on the great. last caution. Well, there you go. There's win Newman's winning strategy brought to you by Tyler Overstreet. The question would be, because you're going to have a lot of armchair quarterbacks saying, why didn't the 88 stay out? Oh, we didn't have any breaks. I know, but people don't understand that. Are you one of those? No, you I sound pretty I skeptical. understand. I wrote these notes. If you would well, have stayed what? out, you would have restarted third. Explain why that. Why don't you explain it? So if you restart third, which you did early in the race on the initial restart, yeah. the inside's not the lane to be in. You would have had Larson and True or Larson and Bush up your ass. Oh man! And you would you would have fallen back because Truex restarted third, lost eight spots in two laps, finished uh, eleventh. Yeah. He was he was running right there with us when, before we pitted. Right. I don't understand what you're saying. Remember, and on the last lap, whenever TJ, our, our number oh, one you, fan, and he said, hey, don't follow Truex, and he told you the wrong lane to go in. Are you changing subjects? No, this is still on the last is the green-white checkers. Is this the Newman's winning strategy conversation? Yes. <laughs> this show's you're off bouncing to off all, all over the place. This show's off to a terrible start. It is. Are you nervous because of these folks? Nope. You sure? Yeah. Why are you nervous? I'm not you nervous. You sound nervous. I'm not nervous. You sure? I just want you to go through the show. I'm going through the show. Okay. But we were talking about Newman's winning strategy. And then you bounced over to the 78 car. It's hard to keep up with you. I'm explaining that he was on the same strategy. Oh. Three guys stayed out. Yep. Newman, Stenhouse, and Truex. Yep. They restarted one, two, three. Newman was first. Where did Stenhouse finish? I think third or fourth. Ah, that's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. That's a good run for him. It was a very good yeah. run. He he was really fast in the last hundred laps. Was he? Yeah. That's good. He passed us and then he went and passed slick through four other Newman, guys. Newman's winning strategy. I think they stayed out mainly because Newman had such a great long run car. Every time that I was around Newman, we would beat him for the first 30 laps, and then his car was really fast on the back end of a run, like really fast. Right, because he passed you what, like on the last lap or two of that first stage. Yeah, every time I was around Newman, yeah. I was faster than him for the first thirty laps, and then he would pass me and flying, incredible. So, ultimately, that strategy only paid off for him. He wouldn't have won the race if Larson and Stenhouse didn't make contact in turn oh, one I on the restart. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, so um, Newman took off from the outside lane. Stenhouse obviously on the bottom, and then Larson was fourth and tried to kind of cut between them, but he wasn't clear of Stenhouse, and so Stenhouse barely clipped him in the left rear. Mm. And that let Newman get away. Gotcha. Do you think Larson – so Larson's trying to run down Newman in the last lap. Do you think for a split second he remembered that time that Newman just floored it in turn three and four at Phoenix and blasted him into the fence <laughs> to get into the chase? I uh, Yeah, I don't think you ever forget that. That would have been pretty dramatic if yeah. he would have returned that favor. It would have been dramatic. But also on dramatic, Ryan Blaney during the race, I assume you had no idea until after the race. Apparently he couldn't pass you on the first. That was in the first stage. Oh, and says, <laughs> tires are gone because the 88 cars are Yeah, Ryan Blaney, he's, a, he's my neighbor, right? So... <clears throat> He rents a house that uh, Keselowski used to live in that I sold to Brad. And so, um, yeah, he comes over. We hang out. We drink a little beer after a race or two. Not as often as we would like, but we do spend some time hanging out. Uh, I actually took a uh, gave him my op uh, the option to – he has like a razor or something. So I let him ride the trails on the property. Oh, okay. Yep. So, uh, obviously uh, – we get along great. I'm happy for him. Excited about his future. He's one of the good guys. But I don't know what that's all about. He said he was hot in the car and that, you know, when he's hot, he just can't control himself. So hope That's the excuse he made up? That's what he said on Twitter. He said it was really hot inside and he just kind of having a hard time. It's going to be 60 degrees this weekend in Fontana, so he should have a he easy go okay. of it. Yeah, he should have an easy go of it. So you can race him? You can actually race him. Yeah. Without him losing his cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got to judge how how hard you race Ryan Blaney based on the ambient temperature. Well, if you're, you know, if it's hot, he's liable to to uh call you a <laughs> d yes, I, 
Unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't I didn't anticipate that from Blaney. I thought I didn't either. Um but there's some guys I mean, I said some bad yeah, words know. Sunday. Yeah. But I don't know that I called anybody any names. When's the last time I called somebody a name? Uh mm. Yeah, I don't remember. We always we do say F an idiot a lot, but we don't like I think T J number number X car yeah. is an F an idiot. T- we just TJ's more prone to call somebody an idiot TJ, than you are. Yeah, TJ, my spotter TJ is uh he's bad to call the guys out. I try not to really call anybody out because it'll get on Twitter or it'll get in the media and you have to talk about it on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be on that little radioactive show. Yeah, it'll be sure. on radioactive. Uh we'll have we'll probably get asked about it this weekend. So I try to avoid those situations. So Junior Motorsports, awesome day on Saturday. William Byron wins the pole. Justin wins the race. Three of our four guys qualified for the Dash for Cash. $100,000 bonus. And obviously Justin won it by winning the race. What's that like as the car owner? Because for me, working here every day, it's pretty badass. Yeah. Because adding that fourth team, these guys are working a lot. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday it finally showed. They had a couple rough weeks. Atlanta and Vegas weren't exactly what they wanted, but... Phoenix was a really good race for us. Yeah. Uh, the speed that the seven car had was a pleasant surprise. I, um, you know, I, I, our guys, last year we kind of started the season out. Kelly gets mad at me for saying this because we won Daytona, but we kind of started the season out a little bit off of the Gibbs guys. And as the season went on, we closed that gap. And by the time we got to Homestead, we really gave them a run for that championship, right? Yeah. And – so to see the speed this good this early is a pleasant surprise to me. It says that we did all the work that we need, that we should have done in the off season, and we didn't get behind. Because when you're not on the racetrack, this is the deal. When you don't go to the racetrack during the off season, you're not around the competition, so it's hard to measure yourself to everyone else and know exactly where you're at. When you can measure yourself literally at the racetrack, looking at the timesheet, you know we're not good enough we got to work harder, and you'll step it up right then and there. But when you're not at the racetrack and not around your competition to be able to measure yourself in the offseason, sometimes you can lose get you lose some speed and comp- competitiveness to the teams in the series and not even know it till you show up to Daytona or show up to Atlanta and these other tracks early in the schedule. And then you got, get to see, oh, wow, you know, these guys have found something that we didn't find in the offseason. So that early speed is great. Uh, especially awesome for Justin because he went winless last year. Yeah, he had not won a race. I mean, obviously he was in cup for a couple of years, but he hadn't won since 2012. Yeah. Well, it it was a uh, it was a great win. So especially for our partners at Brandt, uh to have them there physically at the race. Yeah, Rick, Rick was very Rick excited was in Victory Lane. They had a huge group there, a lot of guests. I think they did a hospitality outside turn three or four, so they I had probably their, 50 people. Yeah, I saw that hospitality. It's pretty pretty awesome to have those guys there. Bri- uh, William finished fourth. Great run for him. Uh, that kid, man, he's got a – he's still, you know, got things to learn and some, you know, progression to make. Yeah, he made one little mistake and yeah, hit cut, the wall, hit the but, but he never even said anything about, like, oh, that screwed up the car or anything. He just kept driving. Yeah, well – you know, he's just he's just going to keep getting better. He's already running well, and as he starts to really polish it up, it's going to be pretty awesome. Sadler, he's going to be there all year. And Ed had a good rebound, consider, you know, compared to Vegas, struggled all weekend. Got a top ten. I think he qualified well. and uh, He qualified 12. Yeah, they're, they're, they're gaining on it. Right. I knew it was going to be tough for those guys because they, the team came together at the last minute. And it's basically a team from scratch. So it's not a team that has any kind of experience together, and there's a lot of jailing to do. Uh, but I expect those guys to continue to gain momentum. And so with all that, with those good runs, we've got now got three of the top four in points. Justin finished 30th at Daytona and Atlanta and has already recovered to fourth in points. Pretty good. So, yeah, it's good going forward. Also in that Xfinity race, near the end, there was an incident with Austin Dillon and Cole Custer, Mm -hmm. which Cole, obviously he ran our truck the last two years, and now he's a rookie for Stuart Haas in Xfinity. He made a mistake, wrecked Austin. Austin had been running really well all day. Austin, his car is tore all to hell. (laughs) 
and he's not happy about it. So he goes and pulls up, or maybe he waited for him under caution, and then ran into him, kind of like pinned his car up against a wall. Yep. And he was called to the NASCAR hauler. Him and the crew chief and the spotter. Yes. But the week before, Kyle Busch and Joey Logano are rolling around on pit road. Or Joey wasn't rolling around. Kyle was. After getting in their fisticuffs. And they were not immediately called to the NASCAR trailer. They went in Phoenix. Yeah. But obviously it was just them two. So, like Jeff Gluck, he jokingly tweeted... Well, Austin should have just punched him in the face. Is that... Why did he say that? Because you didn't have to go to the NASCAR trailer. It seemed like less repercussions for just punching someone in the face than actually going and hitting their car. So is that a precedent now, or what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I got a lot to say. I um, I love uh, Austin and and uh, Ty. Those, are, those boys, uh, I've known them for a really, really long time. Good friends with Mike and RC. Happy for those guys for winning the cup race, Richard. Um, this isn't nothing against Austin or Kyle or anybody else for that matter. But the only thing that I worry about really isn't what the fans think about the penalties or to penalize or not to penalize, whether the sponsors have a problem with their car getting penalized or not penalized. Um, what I worry about is... What do you want to happen in the future? Like next week, six months from now, a year from now? How do you want the next guy, the next driver that's in this situation, that's in Austin's position, how do you want that driver to react? Do you want him to think that it's okay to go smash into this car? You know, you can't measure the repercussions of what happened. Uh, you can't measure the repercussions of what happened uh, this early in the season for Cole. Cole being a regular in the series. Uh, people are going to say, well, it didn't matter because it's early in the year. It didn't hurt Cole. Or, you know, it's not like Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano late in the chase. Well, you don't know that. You don't know exactly how that hurt Cole. It obviously cost him some spots in the in the race. Yeah, so, like, what if he's within a couple points of the chase cutoff? My, that's exactly my point. He's, he had to pit and fix his damage. Anyways, Austin's a cup regular in a, in a, in a series that, is a privilege for the cup regulars to run in. They're limiting the opportunity for the cup regulars in that series. It's Even that race. It's a privilege to be in that series and have an opportunity to run it. So running into one of the regulars, I know you're mad, you know. Understandably. Should have probably punched him. Just don't run into it. You know, if punching's okay, obviously going and punching or karate chopping or karate kicking or roundhouse, roundhouse kicking somebody on pit road is fair game. But smashing into their car on the racetrack in between the flags is not – ever been good you know it's never been something that you don't want you don't want our you know the guy we got a late model car right runs yep. around regionally it's local tracks these these kids that drive these cars are usually as young as 13 years old right Com incredibly impressionable if they're seeing this on tv on saturday and sunday they're going to take that into their mind thinking that that is how you do it that's okay. That's acceptable. We don't want, you know, these kids growing up with that mindset that, yeah, man, uh, you know, I'm going to smash into this guy because I felt like he d he wronged me after the race or under caution. It's just not, <coughs> you know, we've seen it before. I've probably done it. I don't. Yeah. I can't really uh, recall doing it, but I probably have. Um, but it, I, I'm not, it's not so much, you know, about Austin or, or, the personalities of the drivers themselves. It's just what do you want? What message are you sending to drivers in this, in that series, in the truck series, in the cup series, and in every racetrack around the country? Do so, you, do you think that's different <coughs> if it was an Xfinity guy that would have done it? I don't care. Right. It's just what message are you sending to everyone else? Yeah. What did me what message did you send to everybody in the Xfinity race? All them young guys in that series. What message did I send to Cole? Right. That he can go do it too. It's not okay to do that. So. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, and you don't have to, f you know, go overboard on fines. Park in Austin wasn't a thing to do. I would have probably fined him $5,000 and made him go do an appearance for an Xfinity race. Make him think about, you know, during his out-of-market appearance, promoting the, another Xfinity race. Maybe next time he won't do this, yeah. you know. And plus you get some free marketing out of it. You got a, you got a driver on, on the clock 
promoting the next race for free. It's like a proba- probationary uh, appearance. It's good for everybody. Yeah. Um, but it also, at least, you know, it, even if it's just a slap on the wrist, man, at least it's s- sending a message that, you know, we, we really don't want this to happen. Right. NASCAR, I talked to NASCAR a little bit about this. Their position is that, you know, they don't want a bunch of buddies out there racing around. They don't want everybody all friendly and letting each other go and uh, slapping each other on the back, kumbaya and all that stuff to the finish line. They want personalities. They want drama. But I think the drama belongs in between the flags. You know, when when racing succeeds, we have that kind of drama in between the flags, not after the race or under caution. So what if he what if he did like uh, Joey or Matt Kenseth? That's during your flags. And what if he hits him under green? Well, you know, I mean, I think you have to say that was intentional, and you have to penalize someone for being. I don't. I don't have a problem with what they did with Matt. You Suspending know? him, yeah. Yeah, they took care of that. So it's it's uh, and I was I was one uh I was one to uh think that the same penalty belonged across the board to everybody, regardless of severity or intent. But I've changed my mind. After talking to some of the NASCAR guys uh, about this, you know, in different sports, there's different penalties for different violations. You have five-yard penalties, 15-yard penalties. You have flagrant fouls and all that good stuff and just, you know, two-shot fouls and things like that, right? Technical fouls. So I understand uh, now – um, being open-minded and listening to those guys that, you know, maybe Austin's pen- Austin's isn't the same as what Matt did. And the intent and the severity wasn't the same, so I'm okay with the penalty not being exactly the same. Do you think, obviously we're recording this Tuesday morning, do you think there will be any penalty for that, like financial penalty? I don't know. I doubt it. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Or I haven't uh, I haven't heard anything or gotten any information that tells me there will or won't be. But, um, you know, the one thing about it, NASCAR understands that they have to uh, govern. But And I've talked to them, and, and they know that they need to govern. But at the same time, um, they also need things to be colorful and there to be some, some drama and some personality to the sport. And uh, I want that, too. I want things to be exciting. I don't mind. You know, it's, it's not awesome when you get, you get wrecked for a win or something, but if somebody gets spun out, I mean, that like when uh, Kyle bumped Carl to win at Richmond, that's fine. That's good stuff. If somebody gets spun out and wrecked in the middle of the race, it happens. That's yeah. what happened to Austin. Uh, that's exciting. That's drama. It's unfortunate for one guy, uh, maybe more than one guy, but it's part of racing. Uh, but I think when it go what, you know, the extracurricular stuff has to get kind of handled a little bit. At least you got to at least send a message to everybody that this is not going to be okay going forward because it will get out of hand it seems like the sport goes through this ebb and flow of of we're going to let them have at it let them do whatever they want and then we're going to then they flow into like a couple of years of we're going to penalize everything we're going to have a six six tier penalty system and da, 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 and then it flows back to there's too many penalties we're just going to let them do whatever they want to do right now you know, yeah yeah and we keep cycling in and out of that and we can't really find some sort of happy consistent medium but I don't know. I, I I'm disappointed when I see um see what happened with Kyle and and Joey or and if Austin and those guys if something doesn't some sort of re- repercussion isn't isn't delivered. It's just disappointing, you know, because I don't, you know, that's not really. You I'll tell you one thing. So and it doesn't have to be this big deal. It doesn't have to be a huge fine. Uh, in 1979, Daytona 500, we had a big fight in turn three. Kelly, uh, Kelly Yarbrough, Donnie Allison, Bobby Allison, they all got fined $6,000 apiece. And then four weeks later, they were at Rockingham, and they all got $1,000 reduced on their penalty for good behavior. But at least it sent a message like, you know, hey, you know, this is great for the sport. Everybody tuned in and loved it. And it was all over the newspapers the next week, and we used the hell out of it even today yeah. to promote the race. But it, they did, they didn't just let them walk out of the damn racetrack scot-free. They said, you know, this is – this is really not the kind of character we want to convey. And what do you think? So what do you? I'm I'm just trying to think. What would well, I want to know? What would your solution to that be? Do you want to? 
I just told you I'd find him five thousand dollars and send I, his ass somewhere on an appearance to I know, promote a race. I know, but say you don't want him to hit him and show that he's mad. Under caution. Under caution. Absolutely not. But then you don't want him to go. Do you want him to just go confront him after the race? Yes. But not fight. Yeah, don't punch him in the face. Okay. I'd rather you not hit him in the face. Like that time that Harvick jumped over Biffle's car at Bristol and got in his face and explained how unhappy he was. Yeah, I think that's fine. Okay. I think uh I agree. Yeah. Cuz I don't I, the fighting is stupid and then hitting somebody under caution is stupid. I mean, obviously Cole did not mean to do it. Austin's not racing. Obviously those guys on the two team, they're still racing for an owners championship, but um Yeah. Good point. And so obviously they're disappointed. They got to fix that car, but it, obviously he did not do it on purpose. I know, but Austin doesn't know that at the time. Right. I mean, it's, you know, maybe they were, maybe there was a couple four. Austin seemed to think adamantly that he did it on purpose. Uh, or, or felt, yeah, you know, felt that way at least in the post race or his, his interview immediately after. Um, Maybe they had been racing each other all day or something and things had been going on that we'd never see because the camera doesn't always catch everything yeah. happening on the racetrack. But anyway, um, y'all tell us what y'all think. You know, I don't know whether – I don't know if we actually explained our opinions very well, but um, – It's – yeah, I mean, it's just such a weird scenario because – I think you just got to do something. You can't just let let it keep going. You can't just let this happen. This ain't – because then eventually it's going to get back to Joey and you can't, Matt, yeah. and then then they're going to be like, "Oh crap! Why why would you do that?" You can't let the let the can't let the nuts run the asylum. Is that what it's called? Inmates. It? Inmates, nuts, whatever. Same thing. Um, inmates would be prison. Exactly. Right. Not the nuts, though. Nuts are in asylum. Am I right? That's. A, I think that might be a slang term. Sure, we we're we're, we're using <laughs> some slang terms. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's move on. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about your cycling. <laughs> this is a weekly thing now. Ugh. Yeah, I just rode 15 miles yesterday to, um, the, to the store. To the store. Why? To you the should get a basket, and then you could actually. God dang! You could I go to the you. grocery store. Can I use some slang for this? For no, my, I don't for my feelings about you. At this I don't. Moment? I don't want to edit it. Yeah. So we went. Uh, Lots have been made of this uh, cycling. I think it's good because of the spandex, which is fair. Jimmy Johnson has promoted uh, cycling for a long time within the garage area, especially with his own teammates. Now we all are doing it. We uh, talked. We talked about this a little bit before. HMS has all the drivers on a workout regimen. There's a quota to meet every week, and cycling really is a fun way to get that. Uh, get that quota met. So we've been doing that quite a bit. I bought the trainer, so it allows you to ride indoors. There's an app called Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T, where you can actually ride, and it's like a video game. It puts you in a real uh, kind of an uh, open-world simulation with other people that are actually really riding in their own garages. So like houses. it's like you're going up the street? Yeah, actually, I was riding in London yesterday. With cars on the road? No. Oh. It's all bikes. Oh. That'd <laughs> be awesome if there were cars on the Why? road. Why? Just so you had to miss them. There's a bike lane. Oh, that's yeah. boring. You don't know much about cycling. I don't. So we, uh, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy doing this. So while we were in Phoenix, we went on a 30 mile ride in between practice and qualifying. Me, Jimmy, Elliot, Chase Elliot. Yeah, Chase Elliot and Kane. So we're all going on this, and Jimmy had a couple buddies with him. Uh, one fella from Troy Lee Designs, who actually gave me some gear, which is cool. So we go on this thirty-mile ride, and I put—it's <laughs> really hot in Atlanta or uh, Phoenix. So yeah, folks, it was like ninety-three, ninety-five I'm, degrees. And I'm pretty fair-skinned, so I was putting some sunscreen on, and I used that spray stuff, which has got some alcohol in it, and I sprayed it on my face. So we're fifteen. We're about ten miles into cycling, and I'm getting all sweaty, and this stuff runs into my eyeballs. So for the like fifth mile, fifth mile ten to mile five, I was only using my left eye, and then uh, got that right eye cleared up. And then from mile twenty to probably mile twenty-eight, I was using my right eye because I uh, the sunscreen got into the left eye. Very. Uh, it was a it was a fail. 
on the sunscreen. Did Jimmy offer you any uh, I cyclists? was too embarrassed to say, hey, guys, I have sunscreen all in my eyeballs. It stung like hell. But now you're telling everyone. Well, I'm okay. I'm over that embarrassed. In oh. the moment, it was embarrassing. Oh. While it's happening, because they're going to see me, and I'm going to be one eye squint, you know, one eye shut and one eye open, and we like, they're going to laugh. I don't want them laughing. So I came back <laughs> I came back to uh, the bus, and Amy's said I should have used the uh, the lotion that you rub in. That, that doesn't Yeah, that, I would do that too. So, um, but you didn't ask, in my opinion. I did not, and I, nor would I um, <clears throat> ask your opinion about cycling or sunscreen. Why? I don't know. I, you're just not my go-to sunscreen guy. Who is? I, Amy, probably. She's not a guy. Well, you know what I mean. She's your confidant. Yes. So uh, that was that was not a lot of fun. Lesson learned. Yep. We uh, we we did have a good 30-mile uh, ride. Drafting. I did not know. You know, you see the guys drafting, and you're like, oh, that really probably can't be that big of a deal. It'll, maybe a little bit, right? Huge. So in the draft, you're you know it's like half of the effort, half. So when you pull out, and you or you take the lead, you work twice as hard. So I'm always drafting. Who's the leader? Jimmy usually, because oh. he's the one that can handle. You know he's got he's got a lot of strength in his legs. He's been cycling a long time, so I always sit there and draft him or someone else. Casey Kane also he's very uh, he's he's got a lot of endurance in cycling. So, do you like run? Are you last in the pack? Yeah. Do you ever Usually, I'm either last or second or how wherever. far off of the pack do you run? You can't. You oh. got to be. The draft is like l- technically right on the bike. It's like in Daytona. Front of you you got to be close. Oh. You can't. If you're one bike, bi- one bike link back, you're basically getting the resistance of the air again. It's very. There's not a very huge hole to be drafting from another rider, but it's huge the benefit. I couldn't believe it. Uh, you'll when, get, when will you take the lead? Just for like you'll be drafting and be like, man, I'm kicking butt, right? I'm fresh. I'm, I'm not pedaling that hard. And you're like, I'm gonna pull out and lead this thing for a while. And you pull out there and you go like a mile, and your legs are burning, and then you're waving them all back by, mm. wanting to get back into the draft. So you have led. Oh yeah. Okay. But not for long. Okay. Still working my way up to uh, to getting to where I can. I can even keep up and lead them a little bit, but it's g- I'm only on my third outdoor ride, so got a long ways to go. But it's fun. Everybody on Strava is super supportive. Yeah, yeah. You got Strava? I have Strava. I'm just you're watching. just watching. Yeah. So, yeah. Just trying to build up. You're that not motivation. logging exercises. Have no. You have zero goals. Yeah. Uh, but you're uh, observant. Maybe it'll inspire you. Yeah, I get a notification like every day that somebody new is following me, and I'm like, they're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Saturday night we ran four laps around the racetrack. Get a little get my trainer wanted me to get four miles in, so I ran around the racetrack. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I noticed on your Strava there. Yeah, it was mile three, and it was like, oh, my heart rate dropped because I signed an autograph. Mile four, heart rate dropped again because I took a picture with the same person. Yeah. So I, the peop, I was running around the track, and the paint, the guys that paint the signs on the surface of the track, you know, like the, the logos and so oh, forth, yeah, yeah. they were out there touching them up from the Xfinity race. And uh, after about the third time by, they asked for an autograph, and then they uh, stopped me for a photo, which is totally cool. Okay, um, I was going to ask that. Like, Well, I paused my Strava when I stopped, so it doesn't record me standing there. And my heart rate drops, and then I can run way faster. So my last mile was really fast because of those guys, because they gave me two breaks. Mm. So, it, so it is cool if somebody sees you running to stop you. Maybe, maybe not often, but you know, kind of, kind of, you're trying to, you know, keep your heart rate up's the goal. But right. I, the, I would, the, after I mile three, after mile three, I'm kind of ready for a break. Oh, so that was nice. There mm. you go. Yeah. If you see Dale running. For what appears to be three miles, <laughs> feel free to stop him and give him a heart rate reset. Yep. Here we go. Guys, you ready? Yep. Tyler, you yep. ready? Ready. All right, I'm going to start off with a question here. Um, Tony Dobson, how do drivers feel when incidents like fights and big wrecks lead to increased national media coverage? All right, so he's wondering if it bothers drivers, I guess, 
that the next week is all you know all they're going to hear about is this fight or this thing they did and it does but that's you know that's the media's right and that's NASCAR's right to use that in promotion what you need to do as a driver is ask yourself if you want to give them that ammo like when you get in your get into if you're Austin Dillon uh, when you're getting ready to run into the double zero card you got to think man do do I want all the crap that's going to come with this right you know and I don't I'd rather not I don't want extra crap, so I don't want to do that. Uh, that's why I don't call drivers out on the radio too often, and that's why I don't run into people under caution or get in fist fights. I just think, you know, it's going to be all over the media. If I do it, it'll be all over every damn media channel, and I'll, that's all I'll hear about it. And every opportunity that me and that driver are around each other in the next several weeks, they'll call attention to it. In the middle of the race, here's these two again. Better watch out. What's going to happen? You let's first roll the tape on a couple weeks ago. They're going to what's going to happen? You know, it's just a real pain in the ass. They, you know, the drivers want to move on from those incidents quite quite quickly because, um, understandably, they're kind of regrettable. But the media won't let you. So you got to think about that next time you're in that situation and you're that mad. Do you want to put up with all the crap that comes along with it? Tyler, do you have an opinion on this? Um, of course I would ag- I would agree, but I've never been a driver, so I don't. Like Kyle Busch, he could have deflected a lot of the negativity whenever they talked to him Friday, and then he kind of went Marshawn Lynch, and then sort of resurfaced it by saying everything's great, everything's great, everything's great, right, and dodging it. So I think that makes people say, well, Kyle did this, and Joey handled it very well, I thought. So you can help yourself, I Do think. you think, let me ask you this, Tyler, do you think that there's drivers that do like that type of publicity? Uh, I'm, I, I just guess maybe I'm wrong for assuming everybody's like me, which that's probably wrong. The dri- are there some drivers that f- like feed off of that kind of drama and that attention? I think there's some. I mean, yeah. I would say Kyle's a hell of a driver, but I think that – kind of feeling hated kind of motivates him. But I don't know Kyle, so I don't yeah. know. I don't think that anybody wants to be hated in life. You don't want to be hated, but you <laughs> like, I think that kind of that do does you think serve though, as a, a do motivator. You, do you think though that He's the one that's Let like, me ask that you says, a question. Do you think that guys get into those incidents with the intent to bring oh, attention no. to themselves no. and be in that media circus? No, I think there for a second it, maybe it was hot that day like Blaine, like Blaney <laughs> said, and he just got really pissed off really quick yeah. and did something that he maybe he's never done that before and actually thrown a punch. There's one thing too. I said about uh, I said about uh, you know Austin's deal. We don't know what was going on during the race with him too. Could have been some mis- you know situations where where Austin was kind of fed up with the double zero. On Kyle's thing, he said uh, made a quote earlier. Uh, in the week about how he was tired of Joey wrecking, getting wrecked by Joey Gibbs cars. And apparently, Joey's had a lot of run-ins with, I, think, I would guess, Carl or Matt, obviously. Yeah. And think about think about that going on over a chunk of time, six months or so, and they have meetings every week, and Joey's names comes up in these you know, the, the company as a whole has had sort of an issue with Joey and their past history of having him as a driver. Yeah, so there's animosity there. There's some there. animosity there. It ain't just like that popped and happened that day. If you hit him like that, I don't think it would have been the same. Yeah, I think that that would that had been brewing. That's, uh, that's outside the question being asked, but it's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they are like, I'm going to go punch this guy yeah. so that I can be on TV. I don't either because so. that, that that guy would be easy to call out. Don't you think, Mike? Yeah, oh, yeah, without a doubt. I yeah. mean, that uh, guy, that would be obvious if there were those those kind of attention seekers. It'd get old it would really get old fast. Real fast yeah. People would I, see through it. I mean, I think people uh, assume that drivers are thinking way too much in those moments anyways. Nobody's really thinking about all the Obviously ramifications. Obviously, they're not thinking. But, but they're yeah. like, why would they do that? Well, the reason they do stuff is because they're not thinking about all the things. They're, it's an emotional moment. Yep. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, wow, we're getting a lot of good questions. I, you know what? I'm going to go off the, off the page here for a second and just ask you this. Somebody, I don't know who it was, said, do you have any good Kenny Schrader stories? My follow-up question was, 
Is there a bad Kenny story, yeah. Schrader story? Because I, I think everything I've heard is always good. Do you have a quick one? I don't have any. No, there are no the, quick. The, there are no quick ones. They're Kenny long. Schrader stories. So, um, um, I'll, this is very quick. Okay. I went with Kenny Schrader for a week when I was 15 or 16. On a on a we he raced a dirt track every night. Uh, the week culminated with an ARCA race in Topeka. And uh, my dad was going to run the ARCA race, so I would meet up with my father at the end of this week with Kenny and go with dad wherever. Like they were racing at Pocono in the cup cars. <clears throat> so I got on the plane reading the Bible. When I, when dad picked me up Saturday, I had a, bunch, had a, a fistful of dirty magazines and had been uh, drinking plenty of beer that week. <laughs> so dad was really, really mad. Me and Kenny had a great time. Kenny showed me uh, a lot of cool, cool dirt track race uh, races, and 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 met a lot of great people. Sleepy Trip, kind of, you know, kind of met a lot of the old sprint car guys uh, going around all these tracks. Uh, but Dad wrecked Kenny at Pocono that weekend on the second lap, ran into the back of him, and wouldn't t- did not talk to Kenny for about two years. He wrecked him because of that. Yeah. Did he admit to doing that? Or I, you just know? I mean, I've never, I wasn't in the conversations with Dale Earnhardt and Kenny Schrader, but obviously, being the the subject of the issue, I probably wasn't privy to <laughs> some discussions. Oh, did you ever hear Ken Schrader's story when he was telling Kelly on her podcast the follow up to that when he finally went up to your dad and said, "Hey," oh. he goes, "The next year, yeah. when it was time for whatever race it was and that trip, the the anniversary of that trip, he goes." Can Dale Jr. come with us again? <laughs> and and your dad didn't say, you know, said some gruff answer. I think he, I don't think he was still over it. I think no, he's still, he was still yeah. And then Kenny goes, can Kelly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's typical Ken Schrader right yep. there. A lot uh, of fun. Um, have you guys talked about this whole restrictor plate at Indy uh, on the podcast? No. A lot of questions. A lot of questions on both Facebook and Periscope on what are your thoughts on restrictor plates being used at Indianapolis for the Xfinity race? I have a lot of uh, thoughts about that. Uh, number one, they should have probably never moved that race from ORP. Uh, we had some amazing races at uh, Raceway Park. And I uh, know that, uh, you know, it was great when we moved, when we, we thought it was going to be awesome for the Xfinity Series to get that type of exposure at Indy. Uh, but the race itself has, uh, has not been that exciting. The races at ORP always are are fun. Short track racing at any racetrack, for that matter, is pretty awesome. But that's not an option. That's probably not going to happen. So I am, am I'm curious. I'm curious to see it. And I think that this is an idea at how to fix racing in general. I think NASCAR sees this as an idea on how to fix racing in general at Indianapolis, maybe even for cup cars. So... Th- one of the things that they like to do uh, when, it, when, when extreme times call for extreme measures, right, they like to try some of these things out in the lower tier series, like the Xfinity series or the truck series. And I think that if this happens to work or look better or produce some passing at least, uh, that they'll, they'll think about doing this at the, at the cup level because the cup series at Indy is, is not doing too well. Uh, as you know, it's doing as poorly I think as the Xfinity race there, and it's you know it's going downhill fast. So they need to make some changes. They don't want to just quit racing at Indy. They would love to continue to race there. It's a beautiful facility, a lot of history. There's got to be a way for us to put on an entertaining race there, right? So they're not going to give up. Maybe this is an option they're trying to see, you know to see how it works out and if it looks good or does what they plan or whatever they're seeing on their their computer sims. Uh, they may try this in the uh, on the cup side, which, you know, I think it, it's obviously going to bring the straightaway speeds down, which will bring up the corner speeds. But what I think they want to do is produce the straightaway passing that they have in the IndyCar series. The way the IndyCars can drive up and pass and pull out, you know, and, and lap after lap, uh, it seems like that's what they, you know, the NASCAR would love to produce that. Uh for the stock cars, and that's going to be hard to do. That's what they were aiming for when they brought those big giant spoilers there. Uh, 
that didn't didn't pan out. You know? I think that that uh, failed experiment is what makes me like wary about it because it seems like it would just bog the cars down and then you would be less likely to be able to get a run. But is that not true? Because it slows you down on the straightaway. I mean, it doesn't matter. It don't matter how fast you're going. You're not gonna. I mean, if the other guy's going just as fast, you're not getting a run. Right. But a restrictor plate doesn't mean that they're just going to run all stacked on top of each other like Daytona and Talladega. Because they tried restrictor plates that one time at New Hampshire, and it was a horrible race. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I know, but still. I enjoyed that race. Did you? Yeah. I was in there. Where'd you finish? I don't remember. Probably 10th or something. Oh. Jeff Burton led every lap. Yeah. I mean, that's happened before. It wasn't the plate's fault. That was the last time it happened, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying it wasn't the plate's fault. Yeah. Jeff Burton's good. All right, Chris Haynes asks, is there a backstory to Jeff Gluck's hat or just spur-of-the-moment tweet that spread like wildfire? Spur-of-the-moment tweet. I like messing with Jeff Gluck. So Dale's in the media center as the winning car owner, and he'd been in there for a while, and I guess he, they started asking Justin questions, and um, so Dale gets bored, starts looking on his phone, then starts taking selfies, then then took a an awkward picture of Jeff Gluck, which is now Gluck's Twitter Profile picture. Profile pic, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> said, hey, Jeff's selling these hats. And I was trying not to be rude to Justin and Jason Burdett who were doing some questions for the media, but I just had fun. Man. It was a good day. We'd won the race. I couldn't believe we'd won the race. Couldn't believe sitting there finally with Justin and him and Victor Lane and doing Media Center. Winter Circle Media Center. So. But so from there, it just, I did. it took off. And everybody hard. asked even Kelly asked. Yeah. So, so one of the fun parts about the media is is kind of razzing them or joking with them. Bob Pockris, he's hilarious if you read some of his tweets. And there's a there. It's fun when uh, when we're just there's a human interaction where you kind of joke back and forth. And. Uh, it's there's this weird thing with the media where they have to kind of keep everybody at arm's length because they might have to write bad about you one week and they don't know whether you're going to be okay with it and whether uh, people can handle that and so they kind of there's kind of this weird thing where they we can't really bond, make these great relationships or friendships because yeah they got to be they can't be they can't play favorites but if you work real hard you can kind of get into their get into their trust circle. And uh, pick and play with them on social media, and that's a lot of fun. So I knew Jeff obviously has this new website. He's got his hands full, all kinds of things being thrown at him at once, and he's overwhelmed. And so I thought, you know, in, inundating him with tweets about hats would would put a lot, you know, a little bit more on his plate. If there was a missing, if there was a little bit missing, a uh, little bit of room on his plate, he would fill right up quickly. <laughs> and uh, so it was funny. Watching him for about 24 hours, keep repeating on Twitter. There are no hats. <laughs> like honestly, people, this is a joke. The hats aren't real. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It was fun. I just like picking and playing with those guys. Cause they're it, you go in there and they're in there every week. You see the same folks every week, and you get a relationship with them and trust with them, and a bunch of good folks in there. All right, how are we looking on time, <clears throat> Tyler? Plenty of time. Yeah, let's take <clears throat> two more questions. There was a question a while ago. Uh, do you miss Carl Edwards and Greg Biffle? Biffle flew with us to Vegas. Yeah, I don't miss Biffle because I just saw him. He's on the plane going to Vegas, uh, and he, I saw him in Phoenix walking around. He's just loving life, man. Um, and Carl is too. I think Carl's just having some fun being with his family. It's weird when you get when you remind yourself that they're not there. You know, it's kind of weird, but. Um, that's part of it. I learned a long time ago when I first started racing late models that people are going to come and go in your life, in your team, in the sport. Uh, I made, I got uh, such a great relationship with my first crew chief in the late mile series. He was like a grandfather to me. And when we had to split up, it was the worst thing imaginable. You know, I thought we'd be together forever. I don't know why I was so naive, but uh, I learned early on that, you know, that the, the people are going to come and go in and out of the whole, this whole deal and, that's just part of it. Uh, you know, you see Tony Stewart walking around. It's great when you see him at the track. I, I guess the one thing with Carl is I don't miss him as much as I'm just curious as what the hell he's doing. <laughs> at least I see Biffle walking around. 
Carl was at some race. Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta, yeah. Good one, Tyler. Um, <laughs> well, you didn't see him. I did. <laughs> Anyhow, I see Biffle walking around in the, you know, the, and he flying, you know, walking around in the garage in the pits, and he's flying with us. So it's at least you kind of can ask him what's up and how they're doing and stuff. But Carl, he he'll go hiding on you. Uh, let's hear. Let's see. Uh, your favorite paint scheme of current or past driver? This question coming from Timothy Hedges. Not my own, right? Not, well, no, not your own. Okay. Go. Because that would that would be awkward. Uh, not really. My favorite paint scheme. I really love this new Exalta car. Good lord, it's cool. Well, um, hold up. On that point, somebody did ask what is going to be your paint scheme this weekend, so they know what shirt to wear. That is going to be the Exalta, Exalta paint car scheme this weekend, yep. right there. So. Uh, that answers that question, but go back to your favorite past or uh, current driver paint scheme. Past paint scheme is probably the Grey Ghost. Buddy Baker raced it in the 1980 Daytona 500, so you can Google that. Um, current paint scheme. You know whose car that I kind of like is, uh, isn't it Stenthouse Sunkissed? Oh, yeah. The orange. Yeah, the orange. I like orange, so. Uh, no, it's not Sunkissed. What it's is su- it? Sunny D. Sunny D. Uh, yeah. Stenthouse, the Sunny D car is cool, and I've told Stenthouse when I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, because it's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's like blue and orange, kind of two of my favorite colors mixed up. There you go. Pretty bright. All right, Tyler, what do you got? I don't really have a favorite. Jeez, why do uh, you even waste your time, I do, Mike? Car- I do like this new Exalta car. It's it's pretty incredible. Like if That's to, easy. To see it What's your favorite past past paint scheme? Paint scheme. Past you do not have one. Paint scheme. Dead space. Well, <laughs> it is a dead, dead space. I don't know. You don't have. I mean, I'm you like who? Who's your favorite? Ricky Rudd, Dale Jarrett. You Del like Jarrett. any of I like the old quality care car. Ah, there you go. Okay, quality. Gosh, I gotta help him out, man. Eh. Eh. All right. You what got about current? Besides Exalta. Mm, current. I like. I actually like the 48 car right now. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Is it? Yeah. It's okay. Cool. All right. Last question. You ready for the last question? Last question. All right. Tom McDonald says, how does your mom like working at Junior Motorsports? That might not be a great qu- last question, although I'm kind of curious. Tom McDonald? Wants to know, how does your mom like it working here? Has she ever been upset Who, about Tom working Tom McDonald, here? is that Tommy? I went, my best friend in high school was Tommy McDonald. Might be. He, he didn't say he was a friend of yours. Oh, well, awkward. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's very modest. Um <laughs> How does mom like working? This is really well, that, your best last question. No, it's not a good last Tommy, question. But she go, hates go it. ahead and ask. Mom, <laughs> mom loves it. Has she ever complained about mom working here? Mom complains every day. Okay, so that there you go. That's what we're getting at. Brenda is complaining, but that means she She's she loves it. She's probably complaining right now. Right. Okay. No, let's go with the better last question here. <laughs> it wasn't Tommy McDonald. It's Tommy Donaldson. Y'all must not have been that good of friends. <laughs> Can't even remember his name. Jesus Christ! <laughs> like thirty freaking years ago. Can you ride a bike? Who's your best friend in high school? Same best friend I have now. His name's Trey. Okay. You haven't oh. made any best friends since? No. You need to work on your social skills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look. All, all this uh, talk about bike riding, somebody asked, or actually it was Stephanie Berglund asked, um, can you ride a bike while sitting on it backwards like your dad? Have you even ever tried? Hell no. Is that your last question? Yeah. 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 Oh, and man. I think it's a good one. Have you? It is tried? not a good question. It no, is. I don't ride bikes backwards. No, That's you know, a Dale Earnhardt thing. Why did that start? I don't know why it started. He just, hell, I don't know. He probably did that stuff before I was born. I mean, it's got to be a dare, right? Yeah, how do you learn that you can't right. do that? Mike's That's trying his best to salvage this question. We need another last question. I, I still want to know an answer. No, I can't ride one backwards. But have you tried? There are some things Will that you Dad try? did that were so cool that you just left to him. Okay. Well, that's the answer. Yeah, that was a pretty weak answer, actually. Great question, weak, weak question. answer. <laughs> Great question, weak What was the last car you put in the graveyard, Jessica asks. By the way, this is a good point to bring up. There's a, a graveyard segment, Ooh. a series on DaleJr.com every Period? Monday yeah. it's throughout just, the year. So many people go to that thing, it jams up our server every week. Yesterday they posted uh, Kozlowski's 07 oh, yeah. Navy car. So, yeah, check that out every Monday. DaleJr.com. All right, go ahead. Last I car. really don't know what the last car was. What's the last car that you know of? <laughs> yeah. We Usually, um, bad I know. I can't remember. I told Sonny about it the other day. Oh, it was uh, the last car we got was a Tony Stewart car that they it, – it wasn't wrecked or anything, but it was obsolete, and they were kind of culling it out of the fleet. 
and uh, Tony actually texted me and asked me if I would want it. So wow. we went and got it. Thank you, Tony, because um, he knows I like that kind of cool stuff and would certainly want one of his last race cars. I mean, the entire industry knows that. Do you find it a little bit uh, gratifying that other race teams call you up with their wrecked yes. race cars? I mean, that's pretty cool, right? I really like it because um, – Do you ever have to turn anybody away? No. They're like, I don't want that. There's not – there's always room in the woods, man. Weird. He'd buy more land. I, yeah. <laughs> He'd buy more land. <laughs> I if, need more land. Yeah. All right, looking ahead. Tuesday, that's today. Not looking too far ahead. Unilever production. Uh, we also got some Kroger stuff in there. So, A.J. Allmendinger and me will be in the production at Hammerhead today. Yep. Hammerhead Studios. Hammerhead. Another, uh, what would you call Hammerhead? Uh Production company? Besides the production company. It's a it's an extension of Junior Motorsports. Yes. So uh, we have our own little production company, which is kind of cool. So we get to do all these productions locally. That's just a couple miles from Junior Motorsports. So in a few minutes, I'll be uh, hanging out with AJ. You just looked at your wrist. You looked at the wrong yeah. wrist. Look, in a few minutes. <laughs> Thursday, we're flying to California, in case anybody was wondering. We have a nationwide event in Dana Point, California. And then Friday, obviously, we have practice and qualifying. Qualifying is at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. And then Saturday to practice per normal. I think the first one's at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning. Pretty Eight, early. 8.30. 8.30. Pretty early. Uh, the Xfinity race is at 4 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. That's Eastern time also. Yeah. And then we have a dinner with the Exalta folks Saturday night. Yes, we do. You know, you it's know also what? Saturday. Saturday is Amy's birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Amy. So wish her happy birthday on Saturday, folks. And then Sunday, obviously, the race starts at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Is that Eastern? Yes. On Fox. Not Fox Sports 1. Just a regular old Fox. This will be my 600th career start. Is that a lot? Seems like a lot. Eh. I, don't know. I was at your very first start, very first cup start. The cool. 1999 Coke 600. Yeah. I was only 11. <laughs> Do you have a Dale Jarrett shirt on? More than likely. Probably, yeah. He was good. He won the championship that year. Did he? Yeah. You were a bandwagon Dale no, Jarrett fan? I Yes. I actually, in 96, when he started driving the quality care car. Gotcha. He won the 500 that year. Well, there's our, uh, there's our looking ahead. Hey, you know what would be awesome in Fontana? Yes. A taco truck. Oh, God. You know what? Okay, we got the we got the we got to come down hard on Fontana Auto Club Speedway. So, Jimmy Johnson was on a podcast the other day, Lance Armstrong's podcast. They were cycling out there in Colorado or something, and I sent in a question for Jimmy. I said, "What you know?" I sent in a question whether he got it right or wrong. If he had if he got it wrong, he had to rent a taco truck and have it park in the driver's owner lot at Fontana this weekend on Saturday. Well, uh, he got the question right. So I was going to, me and Tyler and Amy were going to rent this taco truck and have it come into the driver's owner lot at uh, Fontana on Saturday, but Auto Club Speedway would not allow it. Yep. We talked to the fine folks at Hang 10 Tacos yep. in Los Angeles. They were and ready and willing. Ready and willing to come out there. So we're going to reach out to Richmond. Yeah. We're going to reach out to Richmond International Speedway. I want to rent a taco truck for Saturday for the drivers on our lot so all the families and kids. We're sitting there all day s for the race anyways. Right. So, right, we, people aren't really getting around, getting out and moving until about 4 o'clock. So, be a great way for everybody to get lunch. So, if Richmond is listening, be prepared. We're going to ask We're for We're going to call you up. Yeah, bring in the tacos. Damn you, Auto Club. Well, that's the show, folks. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you to our friends at Exalta for making this happen. As usual, we are recording in the Exalta studios every Tuesday. Not every Tuesday. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be off-site. Do we want to tell folks about that? Oh. I'm going to be uh, doing a podcast. Uh, I'm going to be doing this podcast by myself in a couple weeks. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yes. So I'm taking it on the road. Uh, I'll be doing it with some of Amy's family uh, the Tuesday after Texas. And then the Tuesday after Easter... I'll be doing it with Amy. So it'll be me and my co-host, Amy. 
Tyler doesn't think I'm going to get it done. I'm anticipating a lot of editing. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. That's possible. But um, we know you're good. Going to get it done. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. But for two weeks, uh, we'll be on the road with this show. So don't don't come to the store those weeks. Yeah, don't. Be sure to subscribe to the Dale Jr. Download through DaleJr.com. You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. I love saying that. And all the major podcasting outlets. Let us know your feedback on Twitter at Dale Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio or the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. See y'all next time. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Hey, Mike. So as we're sitting here in the newly renovated Exalta studio, let's talk Exalta. First of all, this studio is awesome, is it not? Oh, my gosh. It's huge. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, we are very appreciative of that. But uh, Exalta's everywhere. I mean, we just left Daytona. Thousands of people went into their seats through the Exalta injector. I myself, I'm going to brag a little bit here, but <laughs> I actually watched the duels from the Exalta suite. It was fabulous. Uh, you know, Exalta is a co-primary on Dale Jr.'s car. That car, you will never miss it. It is so bright, colorful. It's amazing. Uh, and it's going to run at Phoenix. But, yeah, Exalta is everywhere. They are really big supporters of our digital platform and our race teams. We didn't even mention the fact that Exalta is going to be sponsoring William Byron. That announcement came out this week. And they have a brand-new building that they just built right next to Hendrick Motorsports. I've had the privilege to see the outside. Now, I'm really excited to go and take a tour of the inside. It's absolutely incredible just what they've been doing. Totally. So we appreciate Exalta. How can we follow them on social? You can follow them at Exalta Racing on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.